0: Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast, where we discuss matters of investment interest. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Craig Baker, Global Chief Investment Officer at Willis Towers Watson, and Manager of the Alliance Trust portfolio. Craig is responsible for overseeing the £3 billion Alliance Trust Global Equity Portfolio, including appointing and monitoring the fund managers selected to pick stocks for it. He began his career at Willis Towers Watson as an investment analyst in 1994 and has spent over 25 years at the company. As global CIO, Craig is ultimately responsible for all aspects of Willis Towers Watson's investment philosophy and process. In addition, he is a member of their global steering group and is a fellow of the Institute of Actuaries. So first and foremost, a very warm welcome to you, Craig, and thank you for spending some of your time with us.
1: No problem at all. Nice to speak to you. Could I start off by asking you
0: what the objectives and the style of the trust are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we started running the portfolio just over three years ago, 1st of April 2017. We've turned that into a fully equity-oriented investment trust, and it's a global equity mandate trying to outperform the MSCI All-Country World Index over the long term. Now, over the very long term, we think we can do that by around 2% per annum. But clearly, there will be periods where it's easier to achieve better than that, and periods where it's difficult to achieve as much as that. But over the very long term, we think significant outperformance of that global equity benchmark will lead to very strong long-term returns. We've managed that as a multi-manager trust and so one of your questions was what the style is of the portfolio and it's very much to try and make it style neutral from a macro or top-down perspective. In other words it hasn't got a growth bias or a value bias, it hasn't got a large cap or a small cap bias particularly and we try and do that by picking managers and stock pickers within the portfolio that are looking for de- very different things. So we do have some managers that are very strong style biases to growth or value, but when you blend all of them, stock selection should drive everything in terms of the returns of the trust.
0: Understood. In terms of the yield of the trust, I noticed that you've um, been awarded the Dividend Hero Award by the AIC, the Association for the Investment Companies, meaning that you've got a very proud record of, of maintaining the dividend, of course. Is, is yield something that... Um, the trust actively chases, or is it really more around capital
1: growth? So in terms of the yield on the trust, as you say, it's been over 50 years of increasing dividends every year, and the board of the trust uh, are keen to continue with that. And so we manage the portfolio so that they can do that over the long term. Now, what that doesn't mean is that we have to have the yield on the underlying investment portfolio always higher than it was in the previous year because there's a a long history of building up reserves uh, on the trust. And so if at any point in time, the yield is a bit lower because the managers, the stock pickers underlying that are finding more value in companies that are providing capital appreciation rather than dividend income, then that is fine. But over the long term, we certainly manage the trust in such a way that that dividend increase uh, can continue for many more years to come after the uh, the 50 plus years of doing that consecutively. And in terms of uh,
0: allocation of the trust, how does that look by sector and indeed by country?
1: What we try and do is ensure that stock selection drives everything in the trust. And so, relative to the benchmark that I mentioned, the MSCI All Country World Index, it doesn't look too different on a country basis or a sector basis. And so, as you can imagine, at this point in time, the trust has around close to 60% uh, in US equities, because that is what makes up the global world ma- market capitalization. It has around 10 or 11% uh, in UK equities currently, which is a bit overweight, the UK relative to the world market cap, but not significantly. Slightly overweight, Europe, with about 18% of the trust in Europe, and having about 15%, 16% in Asia and wider emerging markets. At a sector basis, again, quite similar to the breakdown of the MSCI All Country World Index, Uh, about 22% in information technology sector, about 15% in consumer discretionary, 14% in consumer services, uh, and so on and so forth. So looks quite similar to the market. It is slightly overweight information technology as of uh, today but a very diversified portfolio both by geography and by industry makeup.
0: You mentioned uh, technology and indeed the states uh, in passing
1: there. Uh, Obviously we've got this
0: extraordinary situation where the technology-laden Nasdaq index is now actually strongly ahead in the year to date compared to or despite I should say the uh, rather steep challenges we faced in March. Is it fair to assume then that within your top holdings, there's a, there's a smattering of uh, technology companies?
1: Yes, we do have that. I mean, partly we, we, the benchmark is now, uh, so the S&P 500 in the US, I think about 20% of the portfolio is made up from five stocks. It's one of the most concentrated it's ever been. So Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft and uh, Alphabet, the owner of Google, make up over 20% of that US equity market today. And so some of those stocks do make their way into the top 10 holdings for for the trust. So we're overweight, Alphabet, and so that's the largest position at less than 5% of the trust, but nonetheless... The largest single stock position with Microsoft and Amazon as an example being in the top few stocks as well. So, with that in mind, I mean, obviously, we've already mentioned the uh, difficulties we've been having due to the
0: pandemic in stock market terms. How has the trust been coping the current downturn?
1: The trust has performed reasonably well since inception. It had a tough March relative to benchmark, but a good April and has looked um, strong since then as well so overall year to date slightly down relative to the to the benchmark but generally reasonably strong performance and particularly at the total trust level um, the discount came in a fair bit to the end of April which is the the last date that we had the, the fact sheet out there and so that's been quite strong at a total shareholder return perspective. But you're right, the market has been extremely dominated by a very small number of companies, particularly those five that, that I mentioned. And so it's actually been a very tough period for true bottom up stock pickers to do well. And we do quite a lot of analysis on how is the average stocks, if you just take the, the median return of the stocks uh, that make up the index, Uh, How's that done relative to the index? And if you just look over the last decade or so, as you'd expect, in most years, the median stock return is not too different from the return on the market. The average stock does roughly how the the market does. 2018 and 2019 were extraordinary in that the median stock underperformed by about 5% in each of those two years. And then the first quarter of 2020 was even more extraordinary, where it was about 5% just in that quarter. And so that's been a massive headwind. And remember, this trust is built around a multi-manager approach of pure bottom-up stock pickers. So each of the stock pickers in here are just running highly concentrated best ideas, 20 stock portfolios. And so they're typically not just investing in the largest stocks in the index. And so they've had a big, big headwind through the period that the trust has been running in this format for the three years. And yet, despite that, performance uh, has held up very well.
0: So given the recent volatility we've had, has it been necessary to make any or, or many changes to the portfolio? Have there been opportunities um, that the managers might have spotted?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's two parts to that. I mean, in terms of our changing of the managers we haven't had to change any of the underlying stock pickers we still remain positive on those we brought one additional manager in relatively recently at the the second half of 2019 but we haven't had to change any managers but clearly the underlying managers have changed their portfolios quite significantly in some cases although Typically, portfolio turnover is relatively low from these managers. They, they think quite long term. They're running 20 stock best ideas portfolios. And so they will only be changing stocks if something fundamentally has changed at their company. Of course, with recent events, that has led to higher turnover in the portfolios in the last few months than you would have seen in the in the previous couple of years and so they have had an opportunity to do that each of them have been reassessing how each of their companies are going to cope with the pandemic both in terms of the growth opportunities going forward but it also clearly just the balance sheet strength of the individual company and so when we've been analyzing the managers we've been looking at both the balance sheet strength of them as an organisation, whether they can continue to invest in the research and their people such that we think they can continue to be a best-in-class stock picker. But we've also been challenging them on what they're doing in their portfolios, whether they've re-underwritten each of the stocks in their portfolio. And that kind of analysis is what we're doing on a day-to-day basis with the underlying managers.
0: Finally, Craig, a question we're all asked what's on, a, on a daily basis, but uh, a difficult question nonetheless. What, in your view and in the view of the people that you're speaking to, might be the outlook from here? We've, we've clearly had a, a fairly unusual, shall we say, first half of 2020. What happens next?
1: It's usually a difficult question. It's just an even more difficult question today than than, than you might typically be posed. And the, the, the reason for that is when you think about how you come up with your views and what's likely to happen in the future, you tend to look back at what's happened in similar events in the past and, and whether that's a good indication for what might happen going forward. And the problem we've got today is that we've had some quite extreme events that we've never really seen in the past. So the, you know, the last truly global pandemic that we saw was over 100 years ago. And the nature of that pandemic was pretty different to today. We saw the the quickest bear market in the history of the stock market. We saw the quickest rebound in the market in history. We saw the biggest fall in oil prices. We've seen the biggest injection of uh, stimulus from governments and central banks in peacetime era. And all of these things happening at the same time. And so if anyone says they've got a lot of confidence uh, in their specific outlook, then I'd I'd probably question them because I think this is a time for recognizing that a lot of things could happen. And so what we tend to do is think about example scenarios as to how this could play out. So the typical, you know, could we have a V-shaped recovery in the economy? Could we have more of a U-shaped recessionary scenario that takes a a few more quarters to, to rebound economically? And then thirdly, could we have more like a depressionary scenario, perhaps not as extreme as the Great Depression of the 30s, but something more negative than the V or U-shaped scenario? And what might play out in each of those scenarios? And hence, what kind of questions that we'd be challenging each of the managers on as to how their portfolio would fare in that? And I think one of the things that makes us so confident about the Alliance Trust portfolio is that it really hasn't got any big macro biases in this portfolio as I said hasn't got big country positions relative to the market hasn't got big sector positions it's not got a strong value or growth bias in there or momentum or anything like that it's absolutely going to be driven uh, by stock selection that's the way we manage the risk in that portfolio and so given that we have some strong stock pickers that we've challenged and they really are re-underwriting all of their positions we feel you know very confident that as the market starts to reflect the fundamentals of the businesses that our stock pickers are in, we could expect to see some quite significant outperformance going forward.
0: That's a great upbeat note on, on which to end. Unfortunately, we've, uh, we've run out of time. So my thanks go again very much to Craig Baker, the Global Chief Investment Officer at Willis Sowers Watson and Manager of that Alliance Trust portfolio. And indeed, thank you for listening and do join us next time when we record another interactive investor podcast.